I want to share with you some very interesting facts about Africans in the diaspora. According to the data sources from the Institute of Cultural Diplomacy, there are approximately 175 million Africans in the diaspora spread out over 11 countries. Today, I share with you the 11 countries with the highest population of those of us of African descent outside of Africa. Hold on to your hat as we take this wild ride across the globe. You're gonna be surprised, or maybe you won't. But to me, the list is quite interesting. Ready, set, go. Coming in at number 11, Trinidad and Tobago, where there are roughly 1,050,000 blacks in the country. Now listen to this. Police officers often abuse power with impunity. Reacting to one of the incidents between police and the black community in which two Afro-Trinidadian team brothers were shot in the back, the Minister of National Security justified police action by implicating that the state is in a war against its criminal black community. Sound familiar? At number 10, we have Cuba with about 1,130,000 Blacks. The census showed that black, black people constituted nine and a quarter percent of the total population. Today, Blacks living in Cuba face different forms of discrimination from underrepresentation in politics, academia, private sector to high unemployment and poverty. Again, does this sound familiar? The number nine spot is taken by the United Kingdom with a little over 2,020,000 Blacks. Although the African population is better educated than the white population, I found that interesting, didn't, didn't think it would be that way. 26% of the Blacks has had at least some college education compared to 13% of the whites. But the black community faces greater unemployment and poverty rates. Data shows that half of black Americans live in low income households compared to 20% of white people. Wow. And we say only in America. Number eight, we have Venezuela with over 2,500,000 blacks. Hugo Chavez, the former president who died in 2013, he tried to mitigate the effects of discrimination. He was the first Venezuelan president who acknowledged his African origins. He also supported the law against racial discrimination. He addressed the question of discrimination in education. Moreover, on census in 2011, Venezuelans had the opportunity to identify as blacks for the first time. Wow, <laughs> wow. Number seven, Jamaica. With almost three million residents with African origin, Jamaica is one of three countries on our list in which the black population represents the majority. Jamaicans also have good representation in Africa, especially in Ghana and Gambia. Number six, France, right at five million. Now this was a surprise based solely on the numbers. 
I didn't think it would be this high. France, the country that praises itself as colorblind, prohibits collecting data about residents' race, ethnicity, ethnicity, and religion, which is the reason why there are no official records about the exact number of Blacks people living in the country. Blacks living in France have an African or Caribbean origin. The Black community in the country has faced decades of discrimination and terrible treatment. To this day, France continues to be Africa's worst abuser, her worst nightmare, and current colonizer, in my humble opinion. So to me, ain't nothing sexy about speaking French, like they do in Senegal, in Ivory Coast, Cameroon, Madagascar, Niger, Burkina Faso. There are actually 21 French-speaking countries in Africa. As a matter of fact, the country with the highest speaking French population is not even France, but the Democratic Republic of the Congo. How? How can that be? This is madness on steroids. At number five, we have the Dominican Republic with around 8 million Black folk. Sadly, the vast majority of Dominicans reject their African heritage and identify with its European and Indian roots. Very sad indeed. Number four, we have the awesome and historic country of Haiti. Haiti's black population is estimated at around 9 million, which account for 95% of total population. Haiti is the first country in the Western hemisphere which abolished slavery and which elected a black leader, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, who led the revolution of slaves against colonizers, defeated French troops, which allowed Haiti to declare independence on January 1st, 1804, which is today celebrated as Independence Day in Haiti. It's really powerful to read the whole story. You should check it out. The Haitians served notice and kick the French's butt on a mass scale. And this is why, in my humble opinion, there has been an intentional, coordinated effort among European power and their allies, including the United States, to keep Haiti on her knees through sanctions and other political foolishness. How dare you defeat us? It's Haiti against the world. Number three, Colombia. Now this was certainly a surprise for the same reason France was, and I, I certainly did not expect the black population to be over 9 million. In the country whose recent history has been marked by armed conflicts, Afro and indigenous communities suffered the most. Although they constitute a large percent of the population, Colombians with African roots have dealt with different forms of discrimination, acute poverty and violence, and all too familiar to me. Rounding out the number two spot, we have none other than the good old US of A. Damn sure haven't been good for black folk. Nevertheless, America has some 47 million black folk 
as of 2018. Now that's a lot of chocolate to discriminate against. Compared to whites, the black community earns much less, faces higher unemployment rates and risk of, of poverty, has lower educational achievements and poor medical care. Apart from this, police violence against blacks has propelled a series of protests across America. In 2018, 6.45 blacks per million were killed by police compared to 2.71 for whites and 3.6 for Latinos. The rate of fatal police shootings among black Americans was much higher than that for, for any other ethnicity. Standing at 31 fatal shootings per million of the population as of June, 2020. That's reason alone to repatriate to Africa. As the world watched the televised murder of George, George Floyd, it stands to reason why you have this uproar in the African-American community, why you have this energy and this, this conversation about getting the hell out of here, getting the hell out of here. And many are talking about going to Africa and many are going to Africa. It's a beautiful thing, if you understand. And the king of the hill coming in at number one is Brazil. Can you believe Brazil's black population is over 85 million? Wow, that's a staggering number. Like in the US, the black community in Brazil is often subjected to police violence. Moreover, the data shows the majority of homicide victims are Afro-Brazilians, as they call them, while Afro-teenagers, as they call them in Brazil, are three times more likely to get killed compared to white peers. So you see, no matter the country, no matter the number of blacks, large or small, the story is the same for black people. Discriminated against more than anyone, imprisoned more than anyone, the least amount of opportunity for upward mobility than anyone, always the lowest on the totem pole, Every issue, every issue that plagues the African in America plagues the African wherever they are. The same racist system in place wherever you find the African except Africa. The question is why? Why is the black man so hated, hated so much that the whole world would work in concert to make sure he stays in a place of perpetual subjugation. What can he do? What choices does he have? Where can he go? Indeed, there are very few answers to these questions, but as it relates to where he can go, there is one place in particular he can and should go. Africa is not perfect. She has her problems, but systemic racism is not one of them. And as such, in my humble opinion, the best place to be for the black man and black woman 
is to be on the continent of Africa. You're gonna have some challenges in Africa, but there'll be different set of challenges. You won't be racially profiled, redlined, gentrified, or even killed after a traffic stop. Africa is home. And as they say, there's no place like home. When Ghanaian President Nana Akufo-Addo put out the call and established 2019 as the year of return, he did so with the focus on the Africans in America. In fact, some say he missed the boat because he didn't include Africans in the diaspora wherever they are, like the other 11 countries that I mentioned. The African in America were his target market, if you will. But why would he do that? To the exclusion of the millions of other Africans in the diaspora. Could it be because the African-American collectively represent $1.7 trillion in annual revenue? I say the answer is yes, yes, and yes. The African-American is collectively the wealthiest group of Africans on the planet, period, bar none. The other 10 countries on the list cannot compete if you added all their annual wealth together. It was a brilliant move and well thought out strategic approach, in my humble opinion, on behalf of the president and his team. But here's the deal. Though collectively the African-American boasts 1.7 trillion in annual income, as a group, we own very little of the American landscape. What you have is many examples of individual successes. We have our share of billionaires in the world and many individuals and families who create five, six, $700 million in annual income for themselves. We have a few black banks, a few black senators, many black mayors, many black congressmen and congresswomen, black police and fire chiefs, lawyers and judges, etc. Yes, we even had our first black president in this country's history. Yet, collectively, we own one half of 1% of all the wealth in this country. As long as we've been here, we own one half of 1% of all the wealth in this country, not even a full percent, one half of 1% of all the wealth in this country. With all that, with $1.7 trillion yearly, we control absolutely nothing. Let me say that again. With all we have in America, with 1.7 trillion collective annual dollars, we control absolutely nothing. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And it shows and it points to the number of problems that we have as African-Americans. And then I hear some African-Americans talking down about the Africans on the continent and their plight. 
not understanding that it's the same system that has enslaved and colonized our minds is the same system that have enslaved and colonized the minds of the Africans on the continent. So you have the same effect. You have the same madness. You have the same inability to progress and to take control of one's life. It's the same system. So the African-American has no right to look down on the African. The African has no right to look down on the African-American. We have to understand that it's the same enemy that has us at odds with each other. This is the reality. We have to understand that. So now, with this move of Africans from all over the diaspora, but in particular, the African-Americans going back to Africa, repatriating to Africa, though it's a beautiful thing, if the African-American is going to make an impact on Africa, his mindset, her mindset has to change from me to we. In fact, the Africans who are already on the continent, their mindset has to change from me to we. Ubuntu, I am because you are. Ubuntu, I am because you are. Ubuntu, I am because you are. We're in this thing together, man. So listen. Listen to this madness. We're both on the slave ship. I'm on level number four and you on level number three on the slave ship. And because I'm on level number four, I'm a level above you. I think I'm better. I think I have a better opportunity. And I look down on you because you're on level number three. This is the madness that we've been dealing with as Africans and African-Americans, that we think that we are just a little bit better because we're a little bit higher on the white man's social order, on the white man's totem pole. And we look down on our brothers and sisters, not understanding that we're on the same damn ship. And wherever I end up at, on level number four, you're gonna be there on level number three. We're going to get there at the same time and we're going to face the same conditions. So it's best that we understand that no matter what level I'm on, that I'm on, on the ship, I got your back. I have to have your back because I need you in order to survive. Come on, people, we got to understand this. As, as, Sherlock would say to his sidekick, sidekick it's simple, uh, how does he say it? <laughs> it's a simple deduction, Watson. It's a simple deduction. We need each other. Okay, so if the African-American is going to make an impact on Africa, he has to change his mindset. So does the African on the continent. Otherwise, you will have more of the same. Just many individual success stories, but no collective success 
and therefore no power. It cannot be business as usual. For example, because of the psychological effects of slavery, the Willie Lynch syndrome and all the other types of realities we face as Africans, whether in the diaspora or on the continent, we have been taught to do our own thing. Go solo. I got mine, you get yours type of mentality. As a result, you have individual success, not collective success. So when going to Africa, we should look to see how we can help with our resources, be they financial or otherwise. So instead of going there with the intent to open your own restaurant, as an example, why not identify a good established restaurant with a great following and with great food that may be struggling with staff issues, management issues, uh, that may even need a shot in the arm financially? And because of your expertise, you're able to come in, turn things around, and help the business thrive versus survive. Now, maybe you can look at building two or three or more of these locations based on the model, successful model that you already have in place. So we should look to these types of approaches and opportunities versus going in and becoming competition for our brothers and, and sisters, starting your own restaurant. Now you're competing with your brother and your sister. And competition is good, don't get me wrong, but we have, it has to be more cooperation, collaboration than competition in order for us to thrive and to compete in this global world. Because the Chinese ain't playing. The French ain't playing. All the other people that are there who are holding us back, they ain't playing. They are serious about business. They are serious about taking over Africa. While we're still fighting amongst ourselves over petty foolishness. Come on, people. When we're going to Africa, it should not be business as usual. If so, what's the use? What is gained? Where is the growth? What change is going to take place if it's business as usual? Think about that. Listen. There is no one on the planet that is smarter, more talented, more savvy, more creative, more loving, more compassionate, and more resilient than the African. No one. The fact that all, after all that's been done to us, centuries of abuse, torture, neglect, murder, mayhem, and systemic racism, yet after all that, we remain. The original will always be the original. It's time we get this thing together for the sake of our people everywhere in the world. It's time that we get this thing together, that we get togetherness together. 
for the sake of our people everywhere in the world. As Martin Luther King said, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. So if I don't feel for my brother in the Congo or in Brazil or in Dominican Republic, even though they don't recognize us, if I don't feel for their plight, that's a problem because that's my people. And we're in this together for real. So let us understand that it will never be like it was in the golden years when we were building pyramids. That time is gone forever. We must build. Build, we must. But what are we to build in today's world? What is still in our African blood that's waiting to be expressed? What can we do today to make our ancestors proud? What can we do today that will make our children proud 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? Ask yourself these questions. I would love to hear your answers. This has been Jamal Ali of the African Diaspora Going Home Show. Until the next time, Hotep. <laughs>